Amen and amen. All right, so last week, to talk a little bit about last week, because last week's message really set up for this week. And last week we talked about his voice, talked about, uh, you know, how can we discern God's voice? And actually, a couple of questions have rose up in my journey with Jesus, with just people just interacting with them. And, and one of them was, does, does God still speak to us? You know, have you, I don't know if you don't know, no raising hands, but have you ever asked yourself, man, is God still speaking? Is he even hearing me? You know, and I know there are moments in my life where I kind of felt that. And, you know, bottom line, we have to go to Scripture to, to see what God, you know, who God really is and what he's doing today. And the one thing I found was that Jesus Christ, who is our Heavenly Father through, uh, in the flesh, he is the same yesterday, today, and forevermore. And they are one spirit. And when he ascended into heaven, he left us his Holy Spirit, which, by the way, is a person, not a thing. Okay, and so the question was, does he speak? And the answer last week when we talked about it was, yes, he still speaks. Because when we go to John chapter 10, verse 27, Jesus says, he says, my sheep hear my voice and I know them and they follow me. And we kind of explained that scripture last week because we were saying, well, well, if if Jesus himself is saying they hear my voice for someone to hear someone, someone else got to be speaking. Right. And so Jesus is saying this, hey, my sheep. Okay, you guys, they hear my voice the moment they come to him, and, and they follow me, and I know them. I love that part. He says, I, I know them. So we, we see that God still speaks today and forever, by the way. Okay, maybe not in the way we want to hear him, but he speaks. Because here's, here's the thing. I was talking to my wife last week. It was right after the message, and we we're kind of going back and forth, and she brought a very, very good point. And she, and she had said this. She goes, you know, any believer that might be struggling with, well, I don't know if I hear God or not, is probably not reading their Bible. Because the reason is when you crack your Bible open, God is speaking. God is speaking to that person. And so, and, and so much of it, there's so much truth behind that. And so sometimes we probably are, are trying to figure out a certain way to hear God. But God's going to speak in any relevant way that he wants because he's God Almighty. He'll, he'll bring it to a personal level. And into a whisper as well. And so another question rose up we talked about was, how do I know it's God's voice? I've, man, many times, I don't know how many times I asked other pastors and said, how do I know if this is God or not? I'm hearing it. I just don't know if I should make this decision. I'm not sure if it's God or not. And just through times of experience and studying and just continuing to get in his word, and maybe you had that question too, we gave you five ways to discern God's voice. Because we have to understand there are some, many other voices that are trying to direct our life. I mean, we have obviously God's voice who's going to continue to speak to us and in truth. Okay? But then you have the enemy's voice, Satan, where he's going to try to corrupt all that. He did that since the beginning in the garden. I mean, God gave Adam and Eve a command. And, and here comes this serpent and says, <laughs> he surely didn't say it that. He didn't mean it that way. So now there's another voice that, they, that Eve had to, had to figure out here. But then there's the voice of yourself, what I think. And this is where opinions come up, and maybe through some ex experiences, maybe not so good or, or maybe really good experience. So we come up with our own solution. And so even though we might have some good ideas, God blesses God ideas. 
And so last week we talked about, okay, how do I discern this is God or not? And, and, and so there are five ways that I'm going to quickly go through them. If you didn't take notes last week, this is your time right now, okay? Or you can go back to rlcholland.com and go to the messages. We have them all there, okay? And the first one, one of the ways was his voice is love. And I quickly went to 1 John, and John, 1 John tells us that God lavishes his love on us, okay, and in us. And I love how he used the word lavish, okay, which when you think of, when I think of lavish, I think of soap, okay. I think of soap, and I think of, uh, of, of flowers. I don't know why. I don't even know if that's the right definition for it, but that's my thought. But I think of a good scent, Okay, and then I went into the, the dictionary and I'm like, hey, what does lavish really mean? And it's something that's rich, okay, that sa- you saturate in it. And God's saying, my love, I lavish you in that and through you and all around you. He's given us the richest of rich, and that's his unconditional love. Okay, so, so how, how do we know it's God? Well, first you got to listen, his voice is love, okay? Number two, his voice is power, First Peter we went to, and it says that all power belongs to God, okay? And so many times we can kind of filter what power means in our, in our minds and, and have a not-so-good definition because sometimes when we think power, we think of uh, uh, intimidation, you know? But God's power is bigger than all that. God's power activates us. God's power has been handed over through us through Jesus Christ. And now we're able to do stuff, okay? So his voice, one of the ways to discern is his voice is power. Number three, his voice is healing, okay? In Luke, you see an account where Jesus is walking through the crowd and people just want to touch the edge of his cloak because they know they'll be healed, okay? And he's about healing, all right? And it also says that we are healed, Understand that when Jesus speaks to you, you know, he doesn't just want to heal you physically and spiritually, but he also wants to heal you emotionally, mentally. Those are the areas that the enemy is just trying to throw the kitchen sink at with you so you can be thrown off course. Are we going through some issues where, where I, I, I don't know if I'm ever going to be healed from this anxiety or, or, or this depression that I'm feeling? Guess what? God says he is the healer. Okay, and he can heal you from all of that. Maybe it's a past, past experience that wasn't so fun and it was a heartbreak or, or, or maybe just a reopen wound. God can heal that. And so when you go to God and discern his voice, he doesn't bring pressure. He doesn't try to make you work to do something. He simply just comes with healing words and encouragement. And he understands it is going to be a process, but I will heal you if you listen. Okay, because healing is yours and it's here and it's for everyone. Okay, so again, his voice is healing. Number four was his voice is wisdom. Everyone say wisdom. Now look at your other neighbor and say wisdom. Okay, his voice is wisdom. And I love a quick definition because sometimes we think, well, you know, to be wise or to have wisdom, we have to know everything. I put the brakes on that one. No. Okay, that is not wise. Actually, in Proverbs, God calls that foolish. Okay? As he calls that a know-it-all. And they truly don't know it all. But someone wise is willing to humble themselves and listen and gain correction and gain uh, advice. And uh, we're willing to be rebuked when they're wrong in a certain area. That's his wisdom. And he gives us wisdom through his word, according to Timothy, that his word is for us to be trained, teach, rebuke, corrected. 
because he wants us to gain this wisdom. And the only way to do so is through his son, Jesus Christ. In Proverbs, it says, listen, okay? And I say that loud again. Listen to my voice, he says, to my instructions. Then be wise. I love the order he put it. You first have to listen before you can become. Because he understands he needs to be in the equation through this whole thing. So again, number four was his voice is wisdom. Number five, and the last one to help discern God's voice is this. His voice is joy. Okay? His voice is joy. The psalmist says that in the book of Psalms that God clothed us with his joy. That he clothed us with his joy. See, he doesn't say that he clothes us with happiness around us and circumstances are going to be great. No, he doesn't say that. He says it is his joy that he clothes us with. My, son and my, my, my sons and my daughters, they're able, to, they're able to enjoy the outdoors because we clothe them in the right season at the right time. If it's wintertime, jackets, hat, everything, we provide that all for them. They don't even have a thought about what it takes to buy clothes. Parents, do you agree with me? You know, you know, it's like, okay, you know, we're doing the hand-me-downs and everything. Hey, do you have, your, your son grew out of that. Let me have that. You know, you're, here, take some of this stuff. We're willing to do whatever it takes. The children don't even, they don't even realize the work or, or what we're doing, the, the care. The, that's what I'm trying to say, the care that we put behind it. They just enjoy their life. And they go out to the snow and they go sledding and they do whatever they need to do, right? And it says here, how much more Heavenly Father? He clothes us with his joy. And, and, and that's what he wants. And when, when you hear, when you go to him in prayer, when you're trying to discern, okay, is this God or not? He will bring joy in your life. Okay? And joy, his joy is your strength as well. Okay, so now that we, we kind of recap last week, again, that message is really setting up for today. Today I want to talk to you guys about, okay, I know how to discern God's voice. I'm going to start applying it. But what do I need to do now to live on purpose for God? You know, because it's one thing to know these things, but it's another thing to apply it in your lives. That's where discipleship happens. That's where you're saying, I'm becoming a student of Jesus. I'm becoming a follower of Jesus. I'm not just going to say I accepted Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, but I want to follow him and say no to my ways and follow him for his ways and what he has for, for my life. You see, applying, uh, to, applying that you're going to listen now is only enabling us to be active Okay, and I say that with big words, active with our relationship with Jesus Christ. Understand, understand a true relationship in, with Jesus Christ and in Jesus Christ needs to be active. I mean, for my wife and I to get to a marriage point, we have to make sure that we get to know one another. You know, we spend time together. Even today, as, as we're still married, going on 11 years, it's, we're, we're still active. We're still getting to know each other. You know, there are new things. Just yesterday... My, my wife made a sandwich, and I asked for avocados. And she goes, you don't like avocados? I said, I like avocados. No, you don't. You don't like avocados. She's like, I like, I said, I like avocado. We were going back and forth. Give me the avocado. I ate my sandwich. You didn't put avocado. I want your sandwich now. And so she gave me a bite. My point is this. She's learning something new. You know, 11 years in this marriage, and I don't know, maybe, maybe my, my, my taste buds are changing. My mother-in-law says, you're just getting older. That's all it is. Because the reality was I didn't like avocados like last week. It's just I just started liking avocados. So she was right, okay? But, but even as we grow our, our, in our relationship, and our relationship is active, we're still learning so much more about each other. 
We need to continue to be active, apply what we're hearing and listening, be active in our relationship with Jesus Christ so we can continue to grow. Because let me tell you something. You might feel like, well, I read that book in the Bible so many times. I know that story. You go again in in it again, allow the Spirit to minister to you, you're going to find something brand new again, a new insight. Because God is an active God. God wants you to grow in him. Now, confusion and uncertainty it doesn't have to be the issue. Sometimes, you know, I, I don't quite understand or I, I don't get this. Allow the Spirit to minister to you because he says, if you're active in me, I will give it to you in due time. This is where we live on purpose. Say, live on purpose. Isaiah 43.7 says this, bring all who claim me as their God. Now, check this verse out. For I have made them for my glory. I love that. For I have made them for my glory. It, is, it was I who, who created them. You can kind of see purpose in this. Genesis 1.27 backs that scripture up. And it says, so God created human beings in his own image. In his own image. In other words, these two scriptures are saying our purpose of why we are walking on this earth is for two things. Okay, number one is to reflect him. Okay, to reflect our Heavenly Father in Jesus Christ and to introduce him to others. Sometimes it's easy to do the first step, but for some reason with number two, we're not as active in that area. He's saying, I want you not only to reflect me in your lives, but I want you to introduce me to them, them to me, so we can build a relationship with Jesus Christ. They can build a relationship with Jesus Christ. So again, it's, it's to reflect him and to introduce him to others. And that is called glorifying him, glorifying God. You see, fish, understand this, fish are created for water and birds for the air. Man was created for God. The way fish for water and birds for the air, man was created for God. But on the flip side, Because God is about full circle, okay? Water gives life to fish, okay? Air gives freedom to birds. God gives life, freedom, and purpose to man. That's full circle, okay? Beyond the circle of life, like the Lion King says. It's full circle in the kingdom of him and his heart. Paul says it best this way in Galatians 5.13. He says, for you have been called to live in freedom. All right? Are we starting to feel like, okay, I'm here with a purpose? Look at your neighbor and say, I'm purpose. See, again, when when Galatians said, and Paul says this, for you have been called to live in his freedom, the freedom that Paul is talking about is not just the natural freedom. Yeah, in the natural you have that freedom. But he's also talking about the freedom in your thoughts. Because okay, this is a big battlefield right here. The freedom in your thoughts, all right, the freedom in your emotions, the freedom in your habits. Maybe there's some old habits or bad habits that you just, you're, you're struggling to let go. He wants to free you up from that. And also maybe freedom from addictions. You just can't help. That was kind of funny. <laughs> that you just can't, can't help. If freedom from, from any type of addiction, he says, I want to free you spirit, soul, and body. <laughs> That's a heavenly father. That's someone who's, who's looking to give you full freedom. The point I want to bring is this, guys. Be active in your relationship. If there is something you can take home right now, be active in your relationship so you can do limitless things for God and not feel so limited. 
God will bring vision. God will bring dreams. God will bring a future for you and has it for you if you bring it to him. You know, the other day, Pastor Danny and I were just kind of sharing some things, and he had some good insight about having a vision for your heart and living for today at the same time. He said vision is beyond, looking beyond the impossible. Sometimes we're stuck here in this rut where we're like, man, it's just too hard to get there. But God says, if you allow me, if you're active with my relationship with you, I will get you behind. I'll show you what's over there. But without that active relationship, without us having that vision to move forward for his kingdom, all we see is impossible. That's all we see. And so for a, for a while, we think there's no hope. And then we believe this lie. And God's saying, no, I have more for you. God just wants you to do limitless things for him. And you're going to be blessed in the process, by the way. You know that? You will be blessed in the process. Now, understand that when you're active, you're, you are living on purpose. You know, we can easily walk, talk the talk, but we're not so easy on walking the walk. And let me tell you something, church. We need to walk the walk. If we want to generate his kingdom and add more people to the family of God, walk the walk in the way God created you to do it. You know, living on purpose, I think we have a perfect illustration. I, I, we, I mean, we don't have time for this entire story. So I don't want to even want to call it a homework assignment. I want to encourage you guys. Go in Genesis chapter 37. Start with chapter 37 all the way through 50, okay? And it's the story of Joseph, okay, and his brothers uh, and Joseph uh, who, who later on becomes like a prince of Egypt. Okay, but when you read this story and look at Joseph, Joseph was encountered by God through dreams many times. He had a gifting. He was encountered by these dreams. And to bring a long story short, his brothers didn't like it. <laughs> he was the favorite child. His dad acknowledged him a lot. It got so bad that his brothers were plotting to kill him. One brother wasn't really in agreement with it. His name was Reuben. But the other brothers were plotting to kill Joseph because Joseph had some significant dreams of the vision and the future that he was looking at with God. And even though it was prematurely given, there was still a purpose for Joseph's life. Now, when you go on in that story, and don't cheat, don't, read the, don't watch the movie, okay? Don't cheat. Read your word. Open the Bible. I want you to read it. I just thought about that right now. Don't cheat. I want you to open your Bible. Some people are thinking, I'm going to the DVD. I have the DVD. I want to watch that cartoon. No. Read the word, okay? I want you to read the word in this one, all right? And then you can watch the movie later, all right? That's fine. But what, what I'm saying is this. You, you look at Joseph, and, and he went through a lot of hardships. I mean, he was thrown in a cistern by his brothers. He was sold into slavery, he was put in jail for, for something he did not commit. Man, and after I, when I read that, I, going through the whole thing, I started thinking, man, I probably, it sounds bad, but I probably would have wanted to give up. So God, where are you in this whole thing? But even in the process of, of being in prison and even in the process of being sold into slavery, he kept finding favor everywhere he went. God, the Bible says God was with him. God was with him. And we have to understand that the, what kept Joseph going was the purpose he had in his life. Now, this thing goes full circle. Brothers throw him into slavery. They take his cloak. They tear it up, dip it in some blood and wild animal blood. And they give it to that and says, hey, we, is this your son Joseph's cloak, his coat? And then the dad weeps and he cries and says, yeah, he must have been eaten by a wild animal. And so they lie there to their dad. 
But then when you go about, or again, read the entire story, you get to the point where this whole thing comes in full circle. Now Joseph's placed in this, this high authority in Egypt, and there's a famine, and people are needing food, and the brothers come to get some from Joseph, not knowing it's him. Joseph has an opportunity to do whatever he wants, whatever he wants to his brothers, but he chooses not to because he remembers his purpose and he forgives his brothers. Now, obviously, there's way more detail in there, but this is what I'm saying. Even though Joseph assured his brothers they're going to be fine, their dad passes away and the brothers were still in fear and they wanted to be reassured. And I love what Joseph says to his brothers, how he responds to them, okay? Because even though he remembers all that he went through because of his brothers, all the hardships that he went through, this is how he responds to his brothers. He says, you intended to harm me, is what Joseph says to his brothers. You intended to harm me, but God, everyone say, but God. But God intended it for good to accomplish what is now being done. And then the next sentence says, the saving of many lives. The saving of many lives. I emphasize that because sometimes we wonder where God is, and God's there the entire time. It's just too hard. It is hot. I can't take this. I'm uncomfortable. God is with you in that whole midst. And what he's doing is he has purpose in your life. You know, my journey here, and by the way, my journey is not done, okay? I'm just getting started, all right? But my journey here, even just getting to this point right now and leading the church, by the way, God laid before me. I never applied for it. God called me every single time. And I just said, yes, Lord, I'll do what you want me to do. But here's what I'm saying. You know, as, as my journey was going, there was a lot of hardships I had to go through. For, my, for, for me to have a successful marriage that I have right now, and this is my personal testimony, for my wife and I, Madi, to have a, a, a successful marriage, which we do, we had to have a, a harsh breakup before we were married. And it was just, we call it high school drama. You guys know what I'm talking about? Because we knew each other in high school, that's why. But I thank God he was there with me all the time. And because of that decision that we both made, I was able to do what God wanted me to do. And God brought the whole thing back in full circle because he called us, but he had purpose. Purpose kept us both going even in our separate ways. I don't know where you're at, church. Maybe life is good. That's awesome. Praise the Lord. Pray for someone that needs prayer then, okay? Maybe you're the one that's going through something and you're feeling like, where's God at? You still have purpose in your life. Well, I don't know this much. You still have purpose in your life. You just need to live on purpose. That's it. Live on purpose. Live on purpose for him. You see, what kept Joseph going was the purpose he had. He was in fellowship with his God. He discerned his voice. He knew it was him. Even when he was in the prison, he knew it was him. And God kept showing up for him. Maybe not in a way Joseph was comfortable with, but God was there. There's so much principle we can take out of that. Read the story, Genesis 37, okay? But this is what I'm going to close it with, guys. There are four steps. Maybe you just don't know, you know, what's my purpose or how do I get to that direction. There are four steps I want to give you to reach your purpose, okay? And you need these four steps, not out of order, but here's the thing. If you skip one, it's going to be probably tough. So these four steps are for you so you can reach your purpose. And the first one, I already kind of talked about it. And number one is act, uh, be active with your relationship with Jesus Christ, with God. Make sure you are active. 
But don't say, okay, God, see you Sunday and date God. No, no, no. You are married to God. I'm committed to you, Jesus. I will do what you want me to do, Jesus. I will say yes, Jesus. And when you want me to say no to certain things, I will say no to those things because of you, Jesus. Be active in your relationship. Make sure you're in tune with your Bible reading. Make sure you're in your prayer closet. Make sure you're spending time with God. Always have God in your conversations. We need that, especially with the time that we live in today. Stay active in your relationship with Jesus Christ. John 14, 6 says this. Jesus actually said this. I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Except through me is what Jesus says. We have to have a strong understanding and also share it without compromising that Jesus is the only way to the kingdom and to his father. There is no other way but Jesus, okay? You can have good ideas of how we can get a better life, but let me tell you something. It's not about the good ideas. It's about the God ideas that he has for you, okay? You can do good things without God, but you cannot do God's will for your life without God. And you want God's will in your life. God has a purpose. He wants you to live on purpose. Number one, again, act, be active in your relationship with God. Number two, discover the gifts God gave you. Because we are all designed with unique gifts, all different, okay? Romans 12, 6 says this, in his grace, God has given us, big letters, different gifts, okay? Different gifts for doing certain things well. You know why I love this scripture? And I mean this with all kindness of my heart. But that just proves I, as a pastor, can't do everything. And I don't want to do everything. But the church needs to be activated for because we are all operating in certain giftings. We are all different. You're going to reach people in unique ways that I could never do. Because God has gifted you and placed you in this area. And maybe someone is in this area. And someone is in this area. It is, it is, again, it is his grace that God has given us different gifts for us doing certain things well. So if God has given you the ability to prophesy, speak out with uh, as much faith as God has given you. So maybe it's something else. Maybe, maybe you're good with children. Maybe you're good with, with uh, at, at your own work and your job and you're doing a small little Bible study there. Or, or you're, you're a small group leader. Or, or you want to be a teacher or wherever you're at. Do it with God centered behind the whole thing. Make sure that you, are, you have that active relationship with him, but that you discover the gift that God has given you. Number three, and it's this, answer the call of God. Okay, because now you have purpose, but there's a calling that he's calling you to. I've always known that I was going to reach people somehow, but I never knew my calling was going to be in the pastoral field. Never knew that. Until one day they said, hey, do you want to be a pastor? I'm like, what? You know? And I had to pray about that. And I realized God has called me. The reason why I was so drawn to help people out, and in the beginning it was kids, you know, teenagers, because God had something he was working in me. And then he had the calling. And, and I just answered that. Ephesians 4.1 says, therefore I, Paul says, a prisoner for serving the Lord, beg you to lead a life worthy of your calling, for you have been called by God. I don't know what you're being called to, but you might know already. And maybe it's just that hesitation. I, I don't know if I should do that. Is it this God? Is, is it God or not? Is it just me? Discern, then move. I, I encourage you, church, 
to be active, to, to, to take that step. Answer the call is what I'm trying to say. Answer the call. We are so quick to answer the call on our phone. Answer quicker with God. The moment he says, jump, yes, Lord, jump, you know, do it. The moment he says, run, 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 Lord, run, you know. Don't worry about anybody else around you. Answer the call. What, it, what he's pretty much meaning is this. Be intentional to use your gift so you can impact God's kingdom. Just be intentional. Doesn't that sound like live on purpose? Amen. Look at your neighbor say, I live on purpose. <laughs> and the last one that I'll close it with. The last one that I'll close it with. And I'll go through them one more time again, okay? It's activate, have an active relationship with God. Discover the giftings God's given you. Answer the call, and the last one is this, and I think some people are trying to guess. Maybe it's up there already. Oh, yeah, it is. Okay. Man, I can never surprise you guys. Okay. <laughs> is make sure you're plugged in into a godly community. Okay? This is not a recruitment statement up here. I'm not doing that. All I'm saying is get into a church. If you have not found a home church, which the majority of you guys, this is your home church, but let me tell you something. Be, get plugged into God-fearing, Bible-based church. Get around people, okay? That doesn't mean we isolate ourselves from the world and we reject the world. No, 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 no. There's a mission there. But you need a godly community that's going to pray for you, that's going to charge you up, that's going to encourage you, that you get to study and read together, that you're going to pray for, that you're going to charge up. All of You need that godly community in your life. God designed us for fellowship. Fellowship. In Genesis 2, 18, when he first created everything, we see what God's purpose is doing. Okay? He says this in, in Genesis 2, 18. It says that the Lord God said, okay, the Lord God said, it is not good for a man to be alone. I will make a helper suitable for him. And I know we use that for marriage a lot, but let me tell you something. When you look deeper into that, God's saying there needs to be fellowship. There needs to be more. The animals couldn't do it. The garden couldn't do it. The, he, you need a godly community in your life. Not just a community, a godly community. Someone, honestly, what I've learned, and it's applied, and it's been so well, is get yourself around people that know more than you, that fear more than you. I thank God for the networking I have of men in my life and Danny being one of them. About in my life that when I don't get something, he'll show me insight. He'll give me a revelation. He makes me think, man. And let me tell you something. Every time at the outcome, when I'm in my prayer or when I'm in my Bible, I'm like, man, I see it now. And there are so many or more men that are around me. Maybe it's ladies and ladies or ladies. See what I'm saying? Maybe you have someone God-fearing lady. Maybe it's an, you know, a podcast or you're listening to teachings of someone and you're gaining a lot. Have a godly community life pray to pray for one another god said it's not it's not it's not suitable for adam to be alone so he created a helper we need to apply that in our lives and sometimes we when we don't do that what tends to happen is we wonder what's god doing why am i not getting anything right now it's kind of like a missing link are you plugged in <laughs> are you plugged in do you have someone that can pray for you and you can pray? Are you have someone that you can be truthful with? With? If not, and you're like, well, I really don't have anybody in my life, and you're here right now, look around you. This is called a church family, okay? Number two, ask God. Actually, that should be your number one. Ask God, put people in my life, God. 
put people in my life that I can go to and I can learn from and, and, and maybe we can sharpen each other. Iron sharpens iron. You know, Dar- Darlene McSpaden, she's, she's, she runs this women's ministry, which is phenomenal, by the way. I had the privilege to, to speak there. My wife had the privilege to speak there. And the one thing my wife and I, we discussed in the past and what we've seen is that they're in fellowship. It's a godly community in there. We need more of that. We need more of that. Because at the end of the day, if all hell breaks loose and they shut the doors and this done, church keeps going. Does that make sense? Church keeps going. You have a community you can still go to, a place you can go to, because you're the body of Christ. Again, godly community. Get plugged in. Let's go ahead and bow our head and close our eyes. You know, a lot of times that when, when I'm up here and I'm, I'm speaking, allowing God to minister, I want to give time to the believer, to you, to myself as well, to digest what you just heard, what you're receiving. I will always encourage